And we are live. Greetings, ugh, greetings, friends of the apocalypse. Welcome to Podcast at Ground Zero, your home of the apocalypse. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we are your hosts, Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace and Adam Baum Glancy. And joining us tonight, special co-host, Michael Jolly Vorhola from many places like, uh, just to name a few, D-Infinity Live, Skirmisher Publishing, Roll the Infinity Magazine, and whatever else I missed. Yeah, well, there's, there's lots. <clears throat> All right, and the Southwest. And the yes, Southwest. You, are, you are living the dream. Uh, I am right. the dream. That's right. So welcome to episode 42, The Heat heat Apocalypses, or as uh, Scott points out, Thirst Mageddon. We, <laughs> we are going to be talking about uh, the Heat Apocalypse. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of shows ago, we had Clint Staples on from the Great White North, and we talked about the Cold Apocalypse, and now we're going to be talking about its complete opposite, the Heat Apocalypse, and how that will kill you as well. So, um, and, and it's hard to tell which one will kill you quicker. I mean, uh, I admit that there's that whole Jack London to kill a fire, you're dead in just a couple of hours thing, but um, out, in the, um, out in the desert without the right gear... It's almost as bad. Um, you might get an extra hour out of the deal, but we'll uh, we'll have to defer to Mr. Verhola about actual stats on how long you can last out there. Yeah, I I I mean, tell me when you want me to actually start weighing in on things. Are we just jumping straight into this? Should no, I no, no, oh, no. A couple. Oh, we'll talk about a couple oh, things we'll, first. We'll get there, right? Yeah, we'll absolutely get there. And that's why we had uh, Mr. Verhola on with us again. Well, he's a he's a reoccurring guest, a friend of the show and very knowledgeable guy, game designer, uh, writer, uh, ghost hunter, survivalist. He's, a, he's the modern jack-of-all-trades, so he's uh, got a lot of good knowledge, and he's got a, good, a lot of good knowledge about uh, surviving in the heat, in the desert, things like that. Over. Besides being in Texas, he studied and wrote about it as well, so he's our resident expert on the subject tonight. I'm honored. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. Your show is always a lot of fun. And then, of course... Uh, Scott's got a super special, special co-host. Yes. Big, the big giant cat again. <laughs> yes, the furry tumor has returned, or at least I should say it hasn't been, hasn't been sent elsewhere yet. Uh, we've been taking Django here and uh, dragging him, <laughs> dragging him downstairs to meet the other cats about an hour a day to see if I can get them to cooperate with each other. And so far, it's going all right. But he still sleeps up in my office, so. You're probably going to have another, at least one more show of him clawing and crass, scratching and walking on me at the most inopportune moments. So, well, well, say, hello, say hello to the apocalypse, Django. Oh, Django waves at the apocalypse. Uh, what did you say, Mike? I said, I've got six of them here, so I could have one show up at any point as well. I, 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 uh, I, you have my sympathies. We just lost a roommate, uh, a dog, and three cats that all walked out of Pagan House. And let me assure you that there is a difference. <laughs> okay. There, there's, a lot, there's a lot less poop. <laughs> oh my god. You know, we you know, we're putting these pads down in the living room, you know, because the dog apparently the owner can't be bothered to walk the dog as often as I believe it needs to be walked. And so we put these pads down and we had to change them twice a day. These these pads that you'd get from a vet that they put in, like, the bottom of a cage, and we're changing them twice a day. Absolutely, because the dog will hit them, and then the other animals will hit them. Dog's out the door. Other cats are out the door. Nobody's nobody's hitting nothing. It is a 
I don't understand how to live in an environment that's that's this free of of pet urine. But I think I'm gonna find a way to struggle through. And you, you I, are we are we live? Oh, yeah, we're live. We're live. <laughs> John hears this. Is like, sorry, John, that dog was out. I, dog was out of control. I'll miss you. I'm not gonna miss the dog. Yeah. Well, the dog oh, or the, I'm being eclipsed by a cat again. Um, but no, I'm not going to miss that part of it at all. Um, so, so my my own move out apocalypse is is actually not very apocalyptic. It's kind of the opposite, you know. It's the rebuilding of society. So yes, every apocalypse has a, such as a point in it where you start rebuilding civilization. This would be it. This so be so Scott smells a lot less pee, which is good. But yes, uh, yes. all right, so. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of much of in the news this week. I just got one thing I want to share because I haven't done a lot of research because I've been spending a lot of my a lot of my free time um, trying to decompress a lot. I've been online shooting people playing Battlefield Hardline, so uh, I've been, that always helps. <laughs> yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been I've been I've been done because I because I wasn't playing for a long time. Like, okay, I need to decompress, so I just been gone online shooting a lot of people. So. Uh, the only thing, uh, well, well, I got something else to show you guys too. But the, the only thing I want to share is um, for this week, because I've seen a lot of actually there's a lot of interesting stuff on Quiet Earth. I need to kind of sort through it and post some stuff to the to the blog. But there's a Kickstarter that's still got about uh, 11, 12 days left. It's a it's a board game called Post Human. It's a, an apocalyptic uh, board game, and it looks pretty fairly interesting. It's had a lot of uh, Support. They're almost up to two hundred thousand dollars already, and they've been doing a lot of. Oh my God. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of stretch goals. Uh, they've been, you know, nothing crazy to where because they've been really clear. Listen, yeah, we'd like to add all this stuff, but our, the scope of work only constituted this much weight, this much for shipping, this much room, this much production time. We would <laughs> love to do all that stuff, but we really can't, you know, unless you want it a year late. So they've been pretty firm about. Being Good. realistic. Good. Yeah, yeah they've, Good. Been, they've been really firm with being realistic. They're still adding stuff, but they've been checking and checking, and they, you know, uh, they've been realistic on what they can add, which is pretty good. But, of course, you know, the baggers have taken over. I, I'm a gamer, and I want this, and I want that. Uh, I'm entitled. Why can't you do all this stuff for me? Why can't you do it the way I want it? It's not my project, but it's gonna, but it is my project. You know, yeah. that, that typical Kickstarter shit. I, really, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that kick. <laughs> yeah, that's. I have never encountered this before. <laughs> yeah, that 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 self entitlement uh, with these Kickstarter backers just really makes me just want to punch them in the face. It's like, you know what, you know what, if you want all this stuff, do your own project. How about that? Do you do you, yeah. not, do you realize how much time and effort and prep they went into do, doing this to develop this beforehand? And then you're like, oh, I want all this stuff because I'm a big baby, and you know. Um, and it totally blows everything out of the water. Then it's like, why is it? Why is it a day late? I don't understand. But you give me all this stuff for free. You know, it's like whatever. But it's a, but it's a, de but it's a decent. Un un unhappy people will be unhappy. I think that's one of the core rules. Is yeah. that if they're unhappy, they're gonna stay unhappy. You could, you could, parachute Claudia Schiffer on top of them, and there was their answer would be Claudia, Claudia Schiffer. She was only hot ten years ago, or whatever. You know, I, 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 I got, how, how old is Claudia Schiffer? How? But did I just date myself by 
Give me the name of a supermodel. Are you, hey, are, you dating your, are you dating yourself, Scott? <laughs> yeah, well, that will be another whole other story. Um, <laughs> your picture of Claudia Schiffer. No, uh, well, you know, uh, we got uh, just this sanctimonious message from uh, one of our Kickstarter backers just lecturing us. You, you don't send out enough updates. I mean, just, just this preachy letter. And I responded as politely as I could, and then I posted in FAQs. Um, do we know we're late? Yes. Does that give us the right as backers to be sanctimonious? No, it does not. You can have your money back. I mean, that's yeah, it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, back? here's your money. Yeah. So, so that aside, post-apocalyptic. Basically, it's like uh, there's not a lot of humans left, and you're basically it's like it, it could be anywhere from like two to four or three to six characters playing, and it has like these neat like this this map. Because you have to go through like it's like a tile game with cards, and you have to go through these different sectors to get to this last bastion of human civilization. But you're going to be that's pretty good. And you're going to encounter, uh, you know, opposition along the way, other people, other mutants, and other characters. Because you're supposed to kind of work together, but if they go mutant on you and they attack you, you know, uh, okay. yeah. So it, so it seems pretty interesting. Uh, it's called Posthuman. It looks like there's a fair amount of stuff in it. Um, I got it on the early bird, which is forty-eight dollars. It's fifty-two for the if you're not. It's only a few dollars savings, but it's it's it looks like a pretty decent game, and for modern-day pricing for you know board games with a lot of components, it seems pretty reasonable. It looks pretty decent. It's called Post Human. Uh, it's available. It's, it's active on Kickstarter now. I'll post some links later to it. So that was the only thing I really had, but I wanted to share, and and I know all of you probably saw this was all hail the new currency. Podcast at ground. Let's see if we can get it focus. And it doesn't want to focus. It's it's podcast. Yeah, podcast at ground zero bottle caps, and they're real metal. They're real bottle caps because you have you you know here you can hear you know hear them jingling like a pocket full of uh, Nuka Cola caps and. that's not plastic currency. That's metal currency. Yeah, <laughs> unlike those stupid Dolmars. Dolmars. <laughs> but it's uh, now, now, Wallace. I have a question for you. At Gen Con this year, mm-hmm. will you accept podcast at Ground Zero bottle caps as currency? Well, if somebody could get get them get get them from me, maybe. maybe. Yes, I mean there you go. Just yes. The answer is yes. If you come with bottle caps. That is to say, podcast at Ground Zero bottle caps. We'll give you an exchange rate. You may not like it, but we'll give you an exchange rate. Well, it'll be a it'll be a fair exchange rate because I know how much the damn things cost because I made I made them myself, you know. So, um, like right. I said, but they're real bottle caps because there's a big you know there's a lot of people who do uh, self brewing and uh, bottle their own beer. So they're real bottle caps. They're just they're not crimped because they're ready to be placed on on a uh, on a bottle. I just haven't you know been able to. Uh, Step up and invest, you know, twenty, thirty, forty dollars for a crimper just to do some bottle caps. So it's like, you know, they could be flat. If you want to do it, you can do it yourself. But yeah, I just on a whim I did it. You know, some people have been asking, oh, can we get them this and that? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. You know, maybe I'll you know give away some of the few ones I have, or maybe I'll manufacture more and sell them just to cover costs. You know, just to get them out there. You know, because they're a neat little thing. You know, you can just put a little magnet on the back, put them on your fridge. You know, there's a lot you can do with them. But um, yeah. Like I said, I did it on a whim earlier, like, at the beginning of last week, and I got them by the weekend. 
<laughs> you know, so uh, podcast background zero bottle caps, folks. So that's awesome. all. So that thank you. So that's uh, again just on a whim. I figured let me experiment, try it out. You know, like try different things. Um, so there you go. And oh, I just want to say a shout out to uh, one of our new follower, Ford Fitch. Uh, seems to be pretty active lately, talking. So hi, Ford. You know, we're just he says he's watching live. So we're here to say hi to him. And yeah, I know some people. I know some people sent us some email. Uh, about um, some questions. I will get to them, folks. I will answer you. Like I always tell everybody, I get to everything in time. Um, I may get to it right away. I might not get to it for months, but I will get to everything eventually. It's my promise, and I always do. So if I'm a little slow in responding to stuff, because, you know, unfortunately, you're just one of many things I have going on, so I will get to it eventually, I promise. So anyway, uh, that being said, the heat apocalypse. Um, like I said, like Scott was saying, is you know, is the heat apocalypse any better choice than the cold apocalypse? Because we know the well, cold apocalypse. Oh, hold on, there's one other thing I should mention. Oh, you got something? Okay, I do Go got ahead. something. Um, first of all, I want to point out that I, I uh, earlier this week I made the terrible mistake of showing a friend of mine how Fallout Three works. Show them how to roll, make a character, design the face, make the stats, you know, go through the whole time in the vault tutorial and then enter out and, you know, work their way over to uh, Megaton. And uh, in that in that hour or so of playing the game, I completely decided that I'm going to be playing that game again. I, I became addicted vicariously through somebody else's shooting, somebody else's mainlining Fallout 3 because... I gotta go back to the pit. I gotta go back to Point Lookout. I have got to ra I have got to throw down with some some death claws and some albino rad scorpions. Um, I have got to uh, crush the Enclave shoulder to shoulder with uh, Liberty Prime. That's just gonna have to happen, you know. So, damn you, Fallout Three. I guess we'll so just wait, keep is, doing that. Is this so anyway. the point of the show where we like like? Talk about what we've got going on, because I'll do a shout out on something. Yes, we you do, do, you do. And the last thing I want to talk about what's going on is actually something productive. Uh, in two <laughs> weeks' time, uh, April twenty fifth and twenty sixth, uh, in Portland, Oregon, is uh, Cthulhu Con, which is put on by some of the fo same folks from the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. They're throwing it at the uh, Crown Plaza Hotel uh, on Second Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I am one of a slew of guests who will be turning up, uh, but uh, so so you're not that special then. That really mean? not, because I'm I'm I will be I will be uh, in the lineup behind people like uh, St. Yoshi, Robin Laws, Ken Height, uh, William Pugmire, uh, Paul Komoda, who's an artist, very talented artist, um, uh, Heather Hudson, who's a longtime um, uh, pagan publishing alum, will be also be there doing art, as will. And and, and and dig on industry. She's done quite a lot of work for me, and she's working on some more stuff for me right now. So, excellent. Um, uh, Anne Coy's uh, studio will be there. Um, although I'm suddenly forgetting the name of her studio, which is very bad. Cat Catalyst. Catalyst. Thank you. Um, Keith Baker, who designed uh, Gloom and some of the Cthulhu expansions. And Eberron. Gloom. Keith and, Baker yes, did Eberron as well. Yeah. He will be. Yeah, he's he a, will be a great guy. We crossed paths at the uh, Comic Palooza convention uh, a couple of years ago, apropos yep. of uh, my news. 
Yep. Uh, also, um, uh, Lehman Kessler, who does a, uh, a thing on YouTube called Ask HP Lovecraft. And, and where and where could uh, every where can people go to look at this giant list that you're reading? So they can read it themselves. Yeah, uh, they could go to CthulhuCon.com. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, that, so that is the place for it. Go to CthulhuCon.com because there's you can see everybody who's on there that Scott's mentioned many many more and a lot of good stuff going on. So. So do that. You'll see. You'll see ads for both the uh, film festival, which will be in October, uh, the one that's uh, the, also the San Pedro HPL film festival in uh, May. Check that stuff out. I will be running some games there. I have no idea if they're full or not. But if you want to die horribly, I have a scenario where the players get to play um, members of ISIS smashing up Nineveh. And other ancient artifacts in Sumeria with sledgehammers. Oh, that would be too painful for me even to even to do as part of a uh, a notional game. I I just I, I was really upset when I saw that footage. As we honest. all were, and so I have designed a little vicarious payback well, where they smash where they smash the wrong right. idol, and then it just all goes downhill. So if you're a fan of Vault of Horror or any of those you know EC comics, please. Now is the time to play members of Dish and smash those nasty uh, Sumerian and Babylonian artifacts with a sledgehammer for Allah. I'm sure it'll all work out for you. And uh, fair, sounds good. Mike, uh, you said you, you had to want to shout out a couple things? <clears throat> yeah. Um, I am uh, uh, the head of Skirmisher Publishing. Skirmisher Publishing is a uh, role-playing game publisher tabletop game publisher. We publish Cthulhu Live, which is the licensed live-action version of Chaosium's uh, Call of Cthulhu, uh, and many, many other games. I also publish D-Infinity Magazine, which is a, uh, a multi-platform game supplement. Let's see. Oh, yeah, look. I've even got copies of Cthulhu Live. And there's one of the magazine right here. Um, but our big outreach every year these days is the Comic Palooza Fan Convention in Houston. So it's every Memorial Day weekend in Houston. This year it is May 22 to 25. And last year uh, it was a blast. There were 32,000 people there. So it's really right on par with Gen Con anymore. Uh, it's not a gaming convention. It's a fan convention, which means it actually gets better guests than Gen Con gets. It's going to have four of the cast members, for example, from um, uh, Black Sails this year. Uh, and the guy that plays uh, Hawkeye in the Marvel movies. Uh, you know, I'm not really a fanboy, so uh, I just sort of peripherally pick all that up. Uh, but, you know, it got to the point where as a medium-sized game company, we were just getting lost in the crowd at Gen Con. We would go to Gen Con, and we could either be there or not be there. Nobody gave a shit. But at this convention, we actually host the Saturday night party. Well, hell, at Gen Con, Sony hosts the Saturday night party. <laughs> Tommy Palooza, I host the Saturday night party. So uh, what I'm saying is this convention is a blast. Uh, our staff last year, skirmisher staff, was 35 or 36. We're easy to pick out because we're all black shirts, black headgear, and, and tan, tan pants. Um, but it's sort of, sort of like Italian fascist. You just described oh, well, very much the, like that. Uh, you just uh, described the uniform of Mussolini's fascist. The model is is based on uh, the model the SS used for small unit tactics. We don't talk about that a lot. 
Um, yeah, that, that would be the kind of thing that might be career-ending if you grow well, it up. Well, no, I don't have a career. I'm already unemployable, it turns out. So it doesn't really matter. Nobody's going to hire me to do anything anyway. So I've just got to okay. make my own way in this world, one way or the other. Jared, um, so we, Jared, Jared we, we can't have the Nazi back on the show. I'm just saying. I'm not a Nazi. I'm a left-wing liberal. Good Lord. I just... Same, same difference. Where, 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 where they turn up. So, anyway, we're going to be at Comic Palooza again this year. Uh, we've got an entire ballroom called the Skirmisher Game Pavilion we're gonna, where we're going to be running and demoing our games. We're doing a midnight LARP. Uh, we've just got a lot of fun and exciting stuff going on. Um, and if anyone is going to be in Houston or can be in Houston or wants to be in Houston over that weekend, we're looking for people to be part of our crew. Uh, so we'll cover badges. Uh, we cover meals. We're the only game company in existence that actually buys food, covers food for its people at conventions. So there's there's my, my hey, leftist. Hey, me, me and Scott pick up the tab from time to time for people to help us out at Gen Con. That's so. right. We, no. we've, we've, of course, all we're feeding is like you, me, and Rick Neal. Yeah, well, it's not like we fed 35 people. <laughs> no, we don't pick up the tab. We set up our office as a lunchroom so that everybody can take a break and rotate in and out of the office and actually get lunch every day during the convention. Uh, so, no, it's not picking up the tab for you know people we like at dinner. Our entire crew gets fed lunch every single day. So, anyway, uh, Comic Palooza, uh, check out comicpalooza.com and check out my websites at skirmisher.com and d-infinity, d-infinity.net. That's D-Infinity Online Game Magazine. And uh, check out our stuff, and if you want to come out and be part of what we're doing or see what we're doing, uh, that would be terrific. All right, thanks, Mike. So apparently Mike, uh, Mike's lunchroom puts our dumpster diving to shame, Scott. It really does. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Last time I got some pieces that had some meat on them. There was no... Pizza boxes are an indispensable source of cheese, but... Uh, <laughs> but um, Get it! <laughs> I'm uh, kill. I'm, kill I'm uh, killing Scott here. Uh, <laughs> He's not going to survive the show. No, no it's gonna, but, once uh, he gets weakened enough, Jeff's going to finish him off. But uh, well, the important thing about the important thing about Mike and uh, his game company, I have to point out to folks is they do. There is a tie-in. They do also besides the fantasy and the Cthulhu stuff. Uh, they also do post-apocalyptic role-playing game. They're licensed yep. to do game materials for the Mutant Future role-playing game. That's right. And, and they have put out material for that, as well as their generally weekly uh, Wisdom of the Wastelands um, mini. It was like a like it's like a little like like a little um, what do you call yeah, it? We, we, newsletter. Not, not quite weekly, but we've got 50 issues of it out at this point, and and it's little. It's uh, six pages, five pages of content, uh, but we're expanding it. I mean, there's just such a demand for the material. We liked that small format, but now we're making it a mini magazine, and it's going to go up to 20 or 24 pages and have a cover on it. Uh, but we're probably not going to have that out until after Comic Palooza. We're, nothing is happening with us till after Comic Palooza because all I'm doing is uploading events and pulling together props and trying to get out three books, new books in time for it. Good luck. Cool. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so, so, that's, 
So that's Mike's tie into the post apocalyptic well, at least the post apocalyptic air, because he does produce game materials for that. So, all right. Uh, it's the bottom of the hour, so we talked a lot uh, at the beginning of this show this time. We don't, we don't normally go that long, but uh, hey, whatever. Uh, <laughs> hot, the hot apocalypse, you know. Um, the heat. The hot apocalypse? That sounds like something you put in a microwave and it's got. It does. It hot, does. Hot, hot pockets. Hot apocalypse. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Hot apocalypse. And. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's charming. It's, uh, it's, it's, my, it's my Jim Gaffigan uh, tribute. Odd apocalypse, but um, so, so about running us out of water and turning up the temperature. Um, yes, you go ahead. Lead, time for you to lead off. So we're going to lead off talking about the hot apocalypse, the first thirst begetting, or whatever you want to call it, because we talked about the cold apocalypse, and like I said, we want to talk about the polar opposite, the hot apocalypse. Because from just talking to like Clint Staples, who lives in that extreme, he lives in extreme cold, and it's you know, and that shit will kill you in no time. So. Yeah. The hot apocalypse, you know, what's caused the hot apocalypse? Uh, have we run out of water? Are there solar flares? Um, is it just, you know, you know, is there something, is there something preventing, you know, the moisture from happening, you know, for pre precipitation? You know, what it maybe we don't know. Have we have we run out of, you know, palatable water? Have we polluted the water so bad? Because, you know, well, that might not be a hot apocalypse, but it's definitely a thirst apocalypse. Um, what's you know the earth is heating up, water's drying up, water's not available, and as we know, what what is it? You can survive without food for what oh, the, the, three like three like three weeks or more. Um, <clears throat> water, you got what three days without water, yeah. right? Before you're crazier than a shit house rat, then you're dead. Right. So and the, and the extreme heat because you know just talk to people who live out you know Texas around Arizona when it gets hot and like as we talked about. Um, you know, if pe people think, you know, oh, the siesta, they're sleeping in the afternoon, they're lazy. No, it's just too fucking hot to do anything, you know. And that's why they sleep during the day to, through the heat and do stuff at night. So the hot apocalypse, probably just as, you know, just as dangerous as a cold apocalypse, except, you know, you're not snowed in. It's just that you can't do anything because you're probably, what, because of the heat, heat exhaustion, you get you got to be covered. You can be blinded. You can be well, burned. You know you can you can stave off the cold by staying active. Um, yeah. You you can stave off the heat slightly by being inactive, but just laying around doesn't really help your survival um, well, chances if you're not doing anything. You know, I, I would say, and maybe it's just because of my point of view. Maybe it's because I'm uh, I'm more knowledgeable about it. I think a heat apocalypse is, I don't know. I mean. I was going to say, I think it's probably more manageable in some ways than a cold apocalypse. Eh, it's probably not true. It's probably just a matter of what your skill set is. So I happen to live in the Southwest. I live in what's called Texas Hill Country. So right now I'm speaking to you from uh, my office in my home, which is on a ridge line up in um, uh, the hills north of San Antonio and, and south of Austin. Um, and I will tell you, the idea of the heat apocalypse is on the mind of educated people all the time down here. It, it absolutely is. People are constantly thinking about this. And it is water. It comes down to a lack of water. That is, that is really it. That is, that is the, uh, the number one thing. Um, mean temperatures are, are rising, okay? Uh, just in the six years since I've lived in Texas, um, and feel free to stop me at any point and say, okay, we'll leave that for a minute. Or No, 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 no. No, 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 we no, no we're letting you run. Go, go, go. Right. Go, go. All right. 
So, so let, let, let me just give you a little bit of an overview of, of what is actually happening in the American desert southwest today. And, and we are in what I would call a pre-apocalypse. In, in retrospect, people will look back 20 or 30 or 100 years from now, and they'll see clearly what so many people want to deny right now. But, but, but this is what's going on. Uh, water is running out. Uh, I periodically will give lectures or talk to people, and I'll make reference to the... Yes. The question for you. Now, when you say water's running out, are you talking about just drinkable water or water's just disappearing? Water is disappearing because when we talk about water, what we're talking about is aquifer water. Okay? We're talking about aquifer water because it's the water in aquifers in underground passageways and chambers that allows cities like Phoenix to be built. Yeah. yeah cities Phoenix can't is... exist without some modicum of, 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 of agriculture and, and without water. Now, and, is, Phoenix and, on, I, I, is Phoenix on a river? Is Phoenix on a river? Because I, I, I don't remember there being any, off the top of my head, I don't remember there being a moving source of water that runs through You wouldn't Phoenix. remember that. You wouldn't remember that. Uh, because what was once known as the Phoenix River uh, dried up a hundred years ago. And if you talk to people and you say, look, this is an ecological disaster. It's about to happen. It's happening around you and you don't even see it. I mean, take the case of the Phoenix River. I can't tell you how many people have sort of looked at me and said really smugly, there is no Phoenix River. Right, motherfucker. There is no Phoenix River. There used to be a Phoenix River. There actually was a Phoenix River. And now there's not a Phoenix River. Well, it's like, it's like the L.A. River. It's like the L.A. River is just a big concrete ditch. Exactly. Now, L.A. is more sustainable for, for a number of reasons. Phoenix is the, is, is the American burgeoning disaster. When everything goes south in 10 to 20 years, it will happen in Arizona. It will happen in Phoenix, and I'll tell you why. Because the aquifers there are flat-ass dry, and they cannot regenerate. Not all aquifers have the capacity to regenerate. Now, where I live, we are constantly living in drought conditions. Constantly. Every year we get hit with a drought. But we have a, an aquifer that recharges quickly. So at least we get a lot of rain in the wet season. It rained, you know, all night last night. So even though we're going to have a drought, the aquifer recharges in the in the spring and the fall and the winter, and and we're going to have some uh, some water to sustain us through the summer. So the area I'm living in, San Antonio area, the area north of San Antonio, Austin area, that is not going to implode as quickly as an area like Phoenix where the aquifer doesn't, doesn't uh, um, uh, recharge. So the aquifer is, is very, has very specific characteristics from one place to another, okay? So the river's gone, the aquifer's gone, uh, that area is completely screwed. What, what will sustain some areas longer? San Antonio, good aquifer. What will sustain LA? They're already working on uh, reverse osmosis uh, uh, water plants. Uh, They've got the coast. If they can take, they've got an infinite supply of water. All they need is energy. Energy is is the equation. If you have solar powered uh, reverse osmosis plants, you can actually produce as much water as you need. So even though people talk about the megalopolis of L.A. as being a burgeoning disaster, it's actually much more manageable than areas that don't have that coastal water that they, they can purify. So, so that's a snapshot going from west. 
uh, to east from California to Texas. Uh, you have a little bit of sustainability on the Texas end. You have a lot of sustainability on the California end. You've got nothing but disaster in the the uh, Arizona of New Mexico, uh, of Nevada side. And it's not just the, the problem of like, oh, the aquifers are not filling up, we can reverse osmosis. The heat apocalypse, besides drying up all the water, is heat on top of it. So it's like, oh yeah, great, you know, the you know, the aquifer dried up, but we're getting reverse osmosis. Okay, but add to that the temperature, the average temperature just went up, you know, ten degrees Celsius, you know, you know, right. fifteen to twenty degrees. So now you have a sustainable higher temperature constantly, so more consumption of water, more water drying out, people can't go outside, you know, more electricity being burned. You're going to have to use much more water to keep your food supply up at the levels you previously had it with the Well, and even worse, lower. even worse, Scott, here's the next problem. So you've got to use even more water to keep your food production up where it should be. Here's the next problem. Just in the last six years since I moved to the San Antonio area, the line that delimits uh, where the subtropical zone ends and where the temp temperate zone begins, that line has actually climbed northward. And when that happens, there are certain crops that were once viable in one area, once viable in a temperate area, that are no longer viable there. So it isn't just that you don't have as much water, it isn't just that you need more water, it's that you're actually having plants now that just can't survive or thrive in areas where they were once grown. So this well, is literally a fact. I mean, people can look this up. The, the line of demarcation for the subtropical zone has climbed however many miles north just in the last couple of years. You, you, uh, guys, you guys have seen all the horror shows out of uh, Central Asia where you look at what's left of the Aral Sea, right? Where oh, the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the well, the Caspian's not as bad, but it's not good. But the Aral Sea is the one that's that's winking yeah, out of existence. Right. You are correct. And, um, the uh, the thing I wanted to put, and it's a problem that started back under the Soviets. Um, yes, the Uzbeks and the uh, Turkmens have certainly exacerbated the problem by diverting all this water out of the, I guess, the Amudar and the Sirdar rivers, I think they are. They're these two huge rivers that roll out of the melt from the Himalayas and uh, end up emptying into the Caspian Sea. Well, the back during the Soviet period, um, I don't know what's going on now, but back during the Soviet period, one of the reasons the RLC was, was crashing out was because the Soviets were insisting on growing shit where shit had no business growing. Right? They were right. they were taking that water out of the uh, Amudara River and the Serdar River. Amudara? I, I'm pronouncing the rivers wrong. They were trying, they were trying to set up cotton plantations. Co exactly. Cotton. And they just poured water into these deserts right. nonstop until, well, gee, you know, none of it would reach the uh, Aral Sea. And that and, and regular evaporation has just and, and has just led to that sea emptying because it's not getting filled up fast enough. Um, and you know, that that right there, the idea that you're gonna keep planting the same thing you planted in an area when the weather conditions were A, and now they're sub-A, but we're just going to keep doing the same stupid thing because it's what my grandpappy did. Yeah, that's how we got the Dust Bowl, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but again, 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 important things. It's not just about losing the water because we're losing the water, and, it's, and the temperatures hasn't, even, it hasn't been an extreme increase in heat either. So, but again, add to that. Again, like in that movie Hell, 
you know, in a matter of four or five years because of huge solar flare activity, you know, the sun is brighter. You know, you're going to burn the plants are going to burn the plants are gonna, the plants are going to burn in the fields. It's not just that, like Mike said, okay, you can't grow this type of crop here anymore. Even in more, even in the in the areas you can grow them, more intense sun is going to burn and kill the plants. I mean, but it doesn't like burn damage. Like you've seen like a plant that you sit on the porch and it sits too long and it kind of burns the leaves. Mm-hmm. The, the the crops won't grow because they're going to get burned. And again, the the increased temperature is keeping them drier. And again, people can't go out as much. You know, you stay on the sun too long, you're going to get damaged. You, you get heat exhaustion. It's not just a lack of water. It's the extreme heat on top of that, which well, makes it. It, it depends on what our, it depends on what our heat apocalypse is. If we you know are just mismanaging the environment <clears throat> to a point where we've damaged our aquifers and we've damaged our well, that's well, that, well, that's not really a heat apocalypse. That's just okay. Yeah, we're out of water because it, it's all dry. You know, dried up. I'm talking well, about global, no, heat apocalypse, global to, global no, temperature change. Huh? I th- I think that falls within the scope of what we're talking about. If uh, early, early you die from a lack of water, then then I'd say that you're a heat apocalypse uh, casualty. Well, yeah. Um, I, I do. Do we do we freeze, Mike? Uh, huh? No. Oh, he's here. He's here. Oh, sorry. For a second, I thought your your image froze. No, I was going to say that it depends on what your heat apocalypse comes from. If we're talking about, <clears throat> you know, uh, if we're going to buy into this. A conspiracy theory by scientists so that they can pretend to have a job. Um, this whole global warming thing that's not happening. Um, if we if we buy into that conspiracy theory and go with the idea that carbon emissions are going to you know cause the Earth to hold on to more heat, um, you got this sort of slow frog in a you know in a pan of water kind of uh, heat apocalypse where you're raising the temperature. Same analogy, and I think that's that's valid, Scott. But let's say we go with the fictional. The far more fictional uh, heat apocalypse, where uh, temperatures are changed by not forces on Earth, but outside forces. You've got your um, classic Twilight Zone episode where the uh, Earth has been knocked out of its orbit by a black star and has moved closer to the sun. Uh, you've got uh, Hell, which was about the sun going through a period, the movie Hell, German yeah. film, German post apocalyptic film. It's available on Netflix, instant download. Where the um, the the change has been the result of uh, <clears throat> massive uh, massive solar flare activity. Yeah, uh, which has changed the kind of energy that is that is uh, hitting the Earth, the kind of energy that is making contact with our our natural systems that were des- that that you know out there were designed to defend the Earth, but have the that have the function of defending the Earth from high UV energy and things like that. It's overwhelming. The uh, ozone layer—it's overwhelming the um, uh, the Earth's uh, uh, what's that thing that they have? The, um, the ozone uh, layer? No, no, not the ozone layer. But we have a uh, there's a there's a way that our our magnetic poles are set up that actually helps deflect energy uh, from the sun. Oh, oh right, uh, the Van Allen belt? No, no, no. That, that's um, not what I was thinking of. But um, there's a uh, there's a there's a factor that that's that's about um, the Earth's uh, uh, magnetic pull. Atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. One right. of the reasons we hold on to the atmosphere real good is because of our our the, the, the magnetic the, field. It's the, the Earth's. Yeah, it's we have uh, an active uh, core of iron. Yes, which is one of the reasons why Mars might not be the hottest place to colonize because uh, it's got this crappy magnetic uh, field uh, that means right. that even if you could 
pump an atmosphere into it, it would just dissipate into space. Um, unlike, I think, Venus, which has a better shot at being at that. Anyways, sci-fi, not apocalypse. Um, the point is, is that, um, uh, that, you know, if there's a change in that, so the Earth is, is, is picking up more energy from space and not and radiating less of it, that's a different kind of mechanism for your raising your temperature around the world. But the result is things like you melt your polar ice caps, you flood your coastal areas. Um, there's a very nice map on Business Insider magazine online. Have you guys seen this? No. It's an active map where they, they show, okay, let's say we melt completely melt all the ice. Where's the ocean going to end up? And it does not look good for Florida, Jared. You're going to have to move. Possibly oh. to Kansas. Possibly to Kansas. It doesn't look good for Texas either, for that matter. And, and uh, it well, I, look I, good. Live on, I, I live on on the on the top of a ridge line, so I'm two thousand feet up. So I, I do have a little bit of a little bit of a, a, a safety belt there. Yeah, you know the fictional, and I'm not downplaying this because I'm a big fan of science fiction and of speculative stuff, and and I love post-apocalyptic uh, movies and stories. But but I mean this is what I've just got to emphasize as as someone who has uh, been, spent a year training as a Texas master naturalist who's covered this stuff as a journalist who 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 lives in it all the speculative stuff aside this actually really literally is happening so we could say well wow what solar flares hit that's exciting that's fun but <laughs> this is verifiably actually literally uh, inexorably happening now. It will happen. The heat apocalypse is not a speculative discussion. It is it is an inevitability and it's only a matter of time. And when I say time, I mean 10, 20, 30 years before people start to die in droves, before there is an actual implosion. That's what I'm talking about. It is happening now. You're, you're, we're living it. We're living in it right this second. Yeah, and, and yeah, sure, all those dusty, poor places are going to get it first overseas, but <clears throat> if we think that, you know, that's just going to be a problem that's going to be way over there. Well, shit not, rolls downhill, and there yeah. is such a factor as, as human migration. I mean, uh, the Romans, uh, for all that they knew how to build shit, uh, were an incredibly stupid people because they thought, oh, if we build walls, the Goths won't come in. Well, by 400 A.D., everybody in, in, in Roman Italy was speaking German. Uh, so clearly this didn't work. Uh, and you will hear people in this country yeah, say, you, you no. can't you can't militarily force people to say someplace that's going to kill them. Exactly. If they're gonna, Wait, they well, can't well, stay well, there. Well, well, the Mexicans and the South Americans won't come in. Oh, yes, they will, dumbass. Just read <laughs> your history from the last 2,000 years. Of course they will. They're coming in now. Wolves are not the solution. There are solutions. They, they do not include walls. Well, but, but, but yet again, I under, I, all your points are valid, Mike, you know, with you know, the aquifers, the water, this and that, but my perception of what we're talking about of the heat apocalypse is mainly more, you know, uh, you know well, I mean, uh, the possibility of solar flares. I think, it's, I think it's real, but when I say heat apocalypse, I'm talking about global you know, noticeable high global temperature rising. You know, not not, not 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 just not just well, the water dried up because we didn't it can't replace itself. But it doesn't. Okay, I, but it but it doesn't I, increase. It doesn't increase the temperature by twenty degrees. You know. I agree. I agree with your point. But what I'm saying is 
the, the subtropical line is climbing north. Uh, bats that used to go south every year in the winter don't go south anymore because they don't have to in the winter. So, so what I'm saying is that temperature rise goes hand in hand with all these other things. The missing water is just, uh, it just exacerbates the fact that there is that additional heat and that that heat is becoming, uh, the temperatures are becoming uh, higher and the, the subtropical zones are climbing farther north. That's what I'm saying. You're right. We are talking about a heat apocalypse. The heat's the issue. The other stuff is all just uh, things that magnify it. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, and like I said, we do see, like you said, those are valid points. Things are getting a little warmer. Those lines are pushing up, but that's not really like okay. Yeah, is it good? Is you know, bats not going south in the winter? Is that are you going to step outside? Is that heat going to kill you? Absolutely not. You know, in two seconds. But I'm talking about. Oh, it that's is, right. Yeah, it is hot. You know, but but the things you talk about are definitely precursors to what may be coming. You know, things may continue to spiral out of control and get even hotter and hotter and hotter. Well, you Absolutely. know, you know that uh, we've had a bad summer uh, when uh, the news recaps how many people have died from the heat. Uh, and it is, um, you're right, you are not going to step outside and die. But every summer, literally, a certain number of people do die from the heat. I mean, this oh is yeah, problem. oh yeah, people, you know, young people, elderly is, people, because it's not like Florida where children. I live. Yeah, children. Exactly. It's like where I live, where everything has has um, uh, central air conditioning because it's just too right. damn humid and hot down here. Right. When, when you get up north and they're not used to those temperatures, like again, Scott Glancy's house, for example, when it gets really, really hot, when they have the heat wave, it is unbearable. Despite the fact that it's despite the fact that it's ten year it's ten degrees cooler than it is in Florida, it's unbearable. But I, I want to point out one other thing is that my few visits to to Arizona, the thing that always stood out for me as just sort of the wackadoodle moment in Arizona that told me I don't know that this many people should be living here was wandering around outside at a at a outdoor mall, you know, these these roofless malls. Where I'm walking along and there's machines to spritz water on me in this right. fine mist, like I'm a like I'm a cucumber in the food aisle at the food mart. They're spritzing me outside, you know, and I'm like, am I on am I on some alien world? I mean, that that is just inimical to human life because um, they have to change the environment so dramatically to well, accommodate our. You know, well, yeah, well, 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 yeah. I, I've seen. I've absolutely seen those, Scott. I've seen those down here too. Oh, yeah, really? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just the opposite of. Uh, oh, well, what's what's dying outside? But we have to have these giant, uh, you know, pro, pro, propane filled heat lamp things that oh, are heat down right. be, because we shouldn't be sitting outside. It's it's a similar. It's just just the the flip side of that coin. Yeah. yeah. That hu that human arrogance that we're just going to do whatever we want whenever we want in defiance of local conditions. Let me postulate a catastrophic event for you here, okay? And and uh, and, and and I would say that a series of catastrophic events make up an apocalypse. So I'm not saying this is an apocalypse. I'm just going to postulate a catastrophic event. Let's it's just going to suck. All right. Let's just say that right now, um, twenty. People every year die in the city of San Antonio uh, from the heat, and right. that these tend to be people. 
uh, over the age of 70 or 80 who are also impoverished. They can't afford air conditioning. Vulnerable. They don't have, they don't have air conditioning. Okay. They're vulnerable. Mean temperatures keep going up, which they are. So jump 10 years into the future, which is a good post-apocalyptic projection. Say mm -hmm. the mean temperatures are up 2 or 3 degrees. It doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, uh, I know you guys have studied this stuff. Once you've raised the mean temperature that much, that's that's pretty significant. So suddenly everybody's dependent on air conditioning, misters. Let's say that in our beneficent society, churches just let old people come in and sleep there at night so they don't end up dying because they can't afford uh, uh, air conditioning, whatever. But without that technological crutch that Scott's talking about, this is a disaster. Okay. Uh, then we have a major terrorist uh, action uh, that results in uh, blowing up the main power plant for a city, blowing up the main power plant for a major metropolitan area. Well, they, they, you, you know what? You know what? Might just well, just to add to that, in this right. day, in this day and age, they don't even need to blow them up anymore. I was watching this whole thing about how they're like, you know what? They're in our systems already. Public utility right. systems are extremely, extremely vulnerable. vulnerable to be hacked. And well, that's right. official government people said, you know what? They're already in our systems. They just haven't done anything. Just oh, like just, just just like they're like just like we are in their systems, they are in our systems, but nobody's done anything yet because it's still it's the standoff, just like the Cold War with, you know, you know, the total the assured and mutual destruction of like Who's got the bigger missiles? Oh, hey, you know what? We're both in our systems. You want to do something? You want to shut us down? We're going to shut you down even more. Just, okay. just one, one question, sir. Were they talking about national actors like the North Koreans or the Chinese or the Russians? Or the because Russians. I can certainly believe that the, the national actors who have the kind of rubles or yen to throw at the problem yeah. can recruit the talent. Um, it's a lot harder Don't for... Mind the people's revolutionary jihad of apartment 3B to get their act together to okay. accomplish the same well exactly. but, but, well, but, well probably but say you get you know one of these anonymous groups you get a couple of guys these young kids who are freaking phenomenal you know crazy ass hackers who is like you know what fuck the government fuck this i don't care about that and they get recruited without all this massive amount of money just cuz they want to cause some destruction that's a possibility well, okay. certainly, when you look at the guys who jump on an airplane to go to uh, northern Syria these days, um, they I, there seems to be a lot of motivation of I'm angry, and not a lot of motivation of um, I've read all the surahs and I've memorized all of the acts of the Prophet of Muhammad. They're just angry fucking douchebags who are right. looking for some payback for their miserable. Let, let me just finish my scenario real quick. Oh yeah, so, please, Mike, please. please. Out, out here, out here. Out in the country, if I'm just walking around on a dirt road so it's not reflecting heat, it can be 108 degrees. It's what we call 108 degrees in the shade. Downtown in a major metropolitan area, it's going to be 20 degrees hotter, literally. It'll be 128 degrees. Let's say that the, the temperature has gone up a couple of degrees. All of a sudden, we've got a day where it's 131 degrees, literally. This is literally factual. This is, this is not science fiction. Suddenly... Somebody hacks the, the power grid, the power goes down, all of a sudden, you don't have uh, uh, a couple dozen old people die. This happened in Paris a few years back. Google this. Ten years ago in Paris, they had thousands of old people die one summer. Suddenly, suddenly, overnight, 
10,000 people in a major metropolitan area die. Die. 10,000 people dead in a 24-hour period. Yeah, and that, let's talk about hours because disaster. you really that, don't have that, to have that, that many hours. Eating people, that is your apocalypse. It's a micro-apocalypse. It's a single city, but yep. it's, it's suddenly 5 to 10% of the population dies within a 24-hour period. Uh, that is literally uh, foreseeable and possible and completely apocalyptic. Not, not to mention that we're not talking about that many hours. Um, um, I really don't think that at the height of the at the height of the heat in the day, if they timed it right, if they hit the very peak hours, and you know, and, and, yeah. and wiped out the power, you could probably you're killing people in what six hours, eight hours. But those people are dying anyway, Scott. We already know that a certain number of people die. This is just a numbers game. The question isn't will people die, because the answer already was. That's already a given. It is given that a certain number of people will die. All that's happening is the number of those people then goes up. Well, no, no, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I am talking about numbers here, but what I'm saying right. is, is that uh, the, the, the power doesn't need to be out like New Orleans's power is out for weeks. It doesn't right. need to be uh, one, weeks one day. worth of... Yeah, we're, we're only talking about uh, very short periods of time. Even when the whole rest of society lines up every power worker and every linesman they can get, and they get to work fixing the problem, you know, you can still, uh, you're, you're still got casualties in hours. Right. In just hours. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. Because right. Mike was talking, in the cities, like, because you have the glass, the concrete, all that just, it reflects. All that, all that black tarmac. It reflects oh, yeah. and retains heat. Well, you know, the one that always got me was in, when I lived in Florida was you'd walk, I, you know, Middle of summer, walk out into the middle of the cul-de-sac my parents' house is on, and the sun is down. The sun is down. There are stars in the sky, and you can feel the heat coming off the ground under your shoes. That that, that, that temperature, because the sun's out until what in the middle of summer, Jared? Like 9? Uh, it probably, it's probably out to about a good 8.30. It doesn't go down to about 8.30. You know. Okay, so sunsets well, well, as, far, as far south as I am, it, it goes. It sets a little sooner than up north. So okay, so it, it, let's say the sun sets around eight o'clock. You got full darkness by eight thirty. You can still walk outside and feel the heat. It hasn't cooled off yet. Oh, um, oh. For for example, uh, a number of years ago in the, in, the, in the northwest, you guys were having a heat wave. I remember, like in Portland and and in Seattle, and I know people are like, oh, my friends are there, like, oh my god, it's so hot, it hit like 98 degrees, and I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I looked at your temperature range, you hit 98 degrees for about an hour, and it built up to that heat, and then came down again, but at 7 o'clock in the morning, you, it, was like, it was like 65, 70 degrees where you're at, okay? You know what the temperature was at 7 o'clock in the morning by me? 87 degrees, okay, or 85 degrees. It, that's the thing about it never gets cool down here. In the summer, 10 o'clock at night, it is still, 11 o'clock at night, it is still 85 yep. to 90 degrees. Well, and, okay. But up north, it's like, oh, it was so hot during the day. Yeah, but it, you went down to like 80 degrees, well, 75 degrees, you know. All right, I, I just checked a statistic. I mentioned that heat wave in, uh, in Europe. Uh, it was 2003, so I said about 10 years ago, 2003. During the summer of 2003, France suffered 14,802 heat-related deaths. 14,802 heat-related deaths 
uh, as a result of, of an unprecedented um, heat wave. Okay. It, that is so apocalyptic, by definition. Okay, so it's not the Battle of Antietam, but that's still all, that's a boatload of stiffs, kids. Oh, well, yeah. I didn't think they were going into battle. Yeah. yeah. Now, add to that some crazy-ass apocalypse where the temperatures everywhere are up 5, 10 degrees for whatever natural disaster, forget about it. People are dropping like it's flies. It. It's, it's, it's 90 to 95 to 99% mortality overnight if you if you throw in factors like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and uh, certainly what uh, one of the other factors for that charming heat apocalypse, depending on how slow we turn the, wa the, the boil up on our frog, um, is... Uh, Certainly, what you're talking about those migrations. People are not gonna tr are not are gonna try. They're damned as not to sit someplace that's gonna kill them if they just right. sit there. They're, they're gonna move north. So bad news for Manitoba. We'll all be we'll all be hanging out at Clint Staples' place and hanging out with Rick Neal um, in the tropical paradise that is Calgary. You know, uh, yeah. sipping sipping drinks in the shade with silly straws and uh, chunks of fruit in them. But um, uh, you know. Uh, the there's going to be an added factor of social dislocation where uh, people are just going to be mean to each other with military-grade firepower in order to get away from the problem that's killing everybody. Well, well yeah, because the cold apocalypse, people get docile and freeze up. The hot apocalypse, people get mad in the heat. It boils their brain. It's true. So people are going to probably are going to be really aggressive as a temperature yeah, go up. You do everything at night anyway. I mean, you just, uh, well, uh, you know, I was in Cairo a few years back, and it was really amazing. You'd be out at midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and there were little kids just playing in the street. I mean, it was literally the middle of the night. It was 2, 3 a.m., and there were little kids running around. There were families. Uh, well, that's, uh, what, that's, what the, that's what the culture would change to. The culture would change where you, to the point where you are doing it at night. culture. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, uh, let's move on to something a little more fictional. Uh, maybe we, maybe it'll be less depressing if we start throwing out some of our fictional... Yeah, we're uh, not depressing people, are we? Uh, yeah. Heat apocalypse. Yeah, the apocalypse is supposed to be fun, Jared. Well, this whole depressing thing... Oh, oh no. I, I, I said this before. And I, no, no, I said this before and I determined when I was growing up, the apocalypse looked really cool and I wanted it to happen. Now that I'm 45, out of shape, and not, <laughs> you know, not doing so well. Like you know what? I you know what? I'd rather be an armchair survivalist of the apocalypse. Okay, you know, all day you know, long. Cannibals, cannibals will be looking at you, Jared, and you'll just see people smacking their lips, and you'll be like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, so, that's why I shoot anybody who gets within ten feet of me. <laughs> <laughs> that's all but, fine. That's all fine until Nancy misses a couple of meals, dude. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's always it's always the people you trust that are going to get you. Uh, anyway, so um, about uh, uh, fictional thirst apocalypses, um, what do we got? Uh, we, we've got an enormous slew of 1980s thirsty apocalypses that seem to be generated more than anything else uh, by the visual aesthetic of the movie The Road Warrior. That yeah. after The Road Warrior came out, because it was shot in the Australian deserts, the 80s are just awash in ridiculous um, uh, uh, apocalypses that are all about water and deserts because they can film out there in the desert well, and there isn't the trappings of civilization to get in the way of, of, well, there's of the a shooting schedule. Patrick Swayze, uh, 
What, Steel, what? Steeled on. Steeled yeah. on, thank you. Um, yeah. well, that was not the worst of the bunch. It's all those Italian and Spanish ones. Uh, what's the one with, uh, is it Peter Ginty or um, the one where he's riding around on the motorcycle that talks to him? Like, that's that's the worst of the bunch. Oh, my God, yes. It's, it's been on. Uh, what it's, is that? That's it, the one where. The ultimate destroying machine that he has to battle is like a garbage truck with an AI in it or something. Oh, I, I, I believe I, I believe it's been on uh, Mystery Science Theater. Oh, I don't oh, even know. What, I don't even know what that is. And it's it's it is out. it is absolutely horrifyingly bad. Fred, what's his name? Fred Thompson, or who's the guy who's the football player? Uh, was in. Um, oh, uh, he, big mustache. You met him at Gen Con, Jerry. He showed you his Super Bowl one ring. Um, the football player? Yeah, guys. He was a football player, and he was in tons and tons of bad B movies. Uh, he was in Dust Till Dawn. Was one of the last things I remember seeing him in. Um, um but he was in like uh, Bronx Warriors. You know, he's in a bunch of terrible B movies. You know, because again, the NFL doesn't come with a stipend after you're done. I, I can't. I I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I want to say it's Fred Williams. Fred Williams. Anyways, uh, oh, okay. He, he's in it as well. He's in it. He's in that terrible movie that 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 uh, Mr. Verhoeven was trying to remember. Um, other, yeah, no, I know. I'm running it down. I'll find it. The other, the other thirst apocalypses that jump out uh, are, of course, uh, crappy things like I guess Tank Girl counts because yeah. it's the water and power company. Um, I guess um, uh, the amazing, um, oh, what's it called? World Gone Wild, which oh, has yeah. an amazing cast of every washed-up '80s actor imaginable is in that damn movie. Yeah, Fred, um, Fred Williamson. Fred Williamson. Um, That's it. Fred Williamson is in this terrible movie. Is it, it War? It's not Warrior. Warrior of the Lost World. Thank yeah, you. Yes. It. Yes, it is. And thank and you, it, thank you, Internet. <laughs> it, it's it, and it's got this thing where they have his his motorcycle. Yeah, his motorcycle is in, in War of the Lost World is supposed to combine the cool. Of the V8 interceptor with the adorable of R2D2, and all it makes you want to do is, is is to kill it with a sledgehammer. It oh. is the most annoying sidekick ever. Warrior of the Lost World, also known as known as Mad Rider. Mad uh. Rider. Yeah, I see. Mad Rider. Okay, cat cat eclipse. Uh, We're having so a cat eclipse. Who wants to see my cat's anus? Oh, but uh, oh yeah, there is just a ton of ton of you know those movies. You know, uh, you know, Solar Babies is a thrust oh, yeah. apocalypse. Yeah. You know, is that the one with the rollerblades? Yeah, it was, it was yes. so bad. Oh look, it's uh, what's what was the alien orb thing? Uh, oh, horror, you know, or something, something totally fucking it, stupid. Which may or may not have been God. That's the my favorite part. Is they. They they find God. Well, it made it, it made a deaf kid here, so it might be. Yeah, but, um, and so they're they're when they find God, their plan is to hit it with field hockey sticks, right? Don't they knock the orb around for a while? Yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, so. holy shit! So, um, other other thirst apocalypses. I'm not remembering uh, many written thirst apocalypses. 
No, there's a, and when it, also when it comes to the movies, like I said, a lot of these are just things are dry, things there's a lot of water, but when it comes yeah, to actual book, book of Eli is, is is you know the sort of you know wastelands kind of thing. All right, you're right. Book of Eli definitely, yeah. But again, I feel it's less, it's it's more about stealing the aesthetic from Road Warrior yeah. than it is. Uh, any, but, 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 but but true heat apocalypse movies like Hell. How, how there aren't a lot of movies like Hell out though. There yeah, are not well, very many like that. To me, Hell was a very good. I just watched it this weekend. I I I, I tried. I I meant to watch it years ago, uh, but I got rid of Netflix years ago. But I I, I signed up for it again, and uh, I watched Hell this weekend myself. And very good movie. That's a heat apocalypse. Not a lot of movies like that where it's like. And everyone knows why it's called Hell, right? You guys both know why it's called Hell. Because it's a German translation of uh, bright, I think, or something like that. Or yeah, you get a point. Here, give yourself a Domar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give myself two, but because uh, <laughs> I hold all the Domars. But that movie was hell. Again, it was a little short, but that's okay. You know, like it, it, the movie does wrap up kind of quickly, but you know what? Yeah, that, that's okay. It was visually good. Well, it when really, the problem when the problem is solved, when the assholes are dead, the problem is solved. We can yeah, stop done. the movie. You know? Yeah, yeah. But it, but it was very. I think it was very well thought out with the whole. You know, they have all the windows taped up. You know, they're out with goggles covered up because you know the one guy he was all burnt. Cause like, yeah, somebody knocked me out and I was out in the sun for a few hours exposed. You know, and he's all yeah. burnt because it's so bright and everything's kind of washed out and people do things at night. I think they did a really good job. Oh, and they did, they did a good job CGIing the trees. That was one of my favorite things is that they did this uh, great they, job. No, no, they didn't CGI the trees in that. They filmed that in Spain or Portugal in the wake of a forest fire. Ah, oh, that that's even CGI. cooler. That was real. That's, that's even why cooler. They look like such good CGI. That's what reality looks like. Reality looks like really good CGI. Oh, that's yeah, cool. That's very reality, cool. I, reality, reality looks like reality. <laughs> well, you know, I, the other guy, the other guys I remember doing that was John Carpenter filming sections of uh, uh, Escape from New York in I want to say St. Louis or something after a big fire wiped out a couple of city blocks. Yeah, they went down and shot in that uh, rubble because gee, they they had some rubble. Somebody conveniently what's made the, some rubble. What's the common thread between? Warrior of the Lost World and uh, Escape from New York. Um, there is, there's a connection. Oh God! Donald Pleasance. He, oh, he, he's the, he's the same character in both of them, really. I, I, I forgot he plays the head of the Omega or whatever they're called. Right. Yeah, uh, the Omega. United yeah. States, and he, he's sort of a, a, a sleazy pol politico in in both of them. So he's the same character in both those two movies. Apropos of. Uh, Nice. Uh, nothing. So I, I think everyone's going to be able to recommend Hell. Um, yeah. It's it's worth yeah. your it's worth your eighty or ninety minutes of movie. Totally, yeah. totally worth it. And but but when it comes to movies, plus like Germans, Germans, plus Germans. Oh, you know, because people, people be warned, it is subtitled. Some yeah. people some people hate subtitles, just so you know ahead of time. But it's Hell worth it. Oh no, it's fine. I've been watching subtitled stuff for decades. You know, it's fine. But a but lot of never, people, a lot of people don't like subtitled movies. So. We never get, we never get much in the way of uh, foreign apocalypses. So anytime some foreign apocalypse comes up, I feel obliged to, oh. to give it a look. Oh, but again, again uh, it doesn't. But when it comes to hell, there, 
I don't know of a whole lot of, or any other movies like that one, where it's actually temperatures rising type apocalypse. I can't, I, I can't think of another one. Any others offhand? I mean, we can, I can think of a lot where, where uh, environmental degradation and shortage of water yeah. and, and increased temperatures are clearly a factor, yeah. but... Well, no, uh, you did mention solar babies. It counts, too. It's, it's uh, essentially uh, I would also throw out in, in the, in the, the temperature. The temperature is up. And frankly, here's one that's worth a look. It's a film called, it's a, it's a miniseries called The Fire Next Time, starring, of all people, like Jurgen Brocknow's in there somewhere, but um, uh, Craig T. Nelson, you know, oh, famous, wow. for, famous for uttering the line, when I was on welfare and food stamps, nobody helped me. Oh. <laughs> I'm always sort of amazed by. I want to like to remind Craig of that one every once in a while. Really, nobody helped you with all those food stamps and welfare. All right, okay. Well, he did this weird film, which seems it seems like he must have really needed a paycheck because he's got some very conservative politics. Because it was a film about it was like made for like the something crazy like the Hallmark Channel. Um, it's got like Joe Beth Williams in it or something, and it's this. I, I, thing think, where, I think conservative politics and Hallmark Channel go hand in hand. Pretty yeah, well. but the film was about global warming, and you know his his he's out there trying to be running a fishing trawler in the Gulf of Mexico, and it's coming up empty because the sea temperature is so high. The shrimp are dead or have moved on, and he ends up becoming an well, internal refugee in America with his family, trying to get to Canada where the temperatures are not completely fucked. And, the, the, um, the issue isn't that, that uh, right-wingers always deny global warming. It's that they say uh, Jesus wants it to happen, and it's natural, and it's, it happened so many times before. It's just part of uh, the wonderful pastiche of life. Uh, that, that's that's really uh, more. Hold on, hold on. We're getting way we're getting way into politics, and I opened yeah. the door well, there. Yeah, but... yeah. Let's stop that. And uh, well, we already covered religion, Mike. So let's not talk about that because. But hey, hey there's no way there could have been that many uh, global warmings in the only uh, three thousand years. Six thousand years. Six thousand years at the world. <laughs> so okay, that, that's impossible. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, but the fire. The fire next time is worth a look. Uh, it's it's slow. It's it's kind of preachy um, because it has an agenda. It's, it, the film has a political agenda, which sort of surprised me that Nelson is in it because it seemed like it's the film's agenda was very contrary to his. Interesting. Uh, uh, but the film has a very strong uh, agenda about global warming and about the denial. Check that out. I've heard of um, it. It's maybe a miniseries. I don't know that it's a film. I think it might be three hours long, something like that. I, I I've watched it many moons ago, but um, the big thing it was about was showing sort of the um, uh, the, the the national effects. Uh, once you start fiddling with the temperature, once once certain areas of the country become less and less hospitable, and then there are those areas of the country that are hospitable and don't want you coming up there anymore. Um, oh, that goes back to 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 ninety three. The fire next time. Wow. So it's yeah. it's shit. Twenty two years old. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so there's that. Uh, that that's worth a look, um, possibly. Uh, I did. I did come across um, a trailer from something from the from a 2014 LA film festival called The Well. It's an independent film. That's kind of a. It's more of a 
I don't know anything about it. It seems like it's more of like a dry apocalypse <laughs> because it's talking about, you know, the Oregon Valley that used to be lush, which is now it's now completely bone dry. So it's definitely a kind of dry, temperatures are up kind of apocalypse. The trailer looked interesting, but uh, I don't know anything more about that. It's called The Well. In the, um, in the dry apocalypse, man. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I would mention, because uh, I also saw it on Netflix, is a film called The Young Ones. And oh, yeah. uh, Mr. Mr. Wallace has objected that it is not an apocalypse because oh, I said it's not. I said it's not very apocalypse. It's kind of like maybe they're hinting at some pre-apocalypse, but it's more about you know. It is an ecological disaster movie, a global yeah. ecological disaster, and you definitely have some lawlessness. I mean, the opening bit is guys getting gunned down, getting shot dead, oh, yeah. Yeah. trying to get into our main characters well, um, and. Uh, but it's still a world where there's high-tech things like that, that that fan that the girl had that was her combination phone, and you open it like a fan and it had a screen in it, and she could... Yeah, you know, yeah. Tech, technology's still around, society's still around. They have robot uh, DARPA, mules. you know... They had that robot mule based on the DARPA robot mule, which was kind of cool. And yeah. they'd look up and they'd see planes flying overhead, you know? But there was still this implication when you look up at the plane flying overhead, the, the implication is... Oh, I'm never going to be able to afford to do that. You know, everybody's poor. Everybody's um, uh, at the end of the rope. And I, there were a lot of good things in uh, the young ones that that I thought were awesome for dry apocalypses and heat apocalypses. Um, for one thing, they showed them washing the dishes in a big sink full of sand. I thought that was awesome. But well, that was very that was very good. And um, they also did, uh, you know, there was also a, a great bit that I liked with, um, uh, well, the weapon. There was the uh, there was the Lee Enfield rifle that had been, um, you know, uh, 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 that had been uh, altered to oh. graft a a pump shotgun onto a Lee Enfield bolt action rifle, which looked pretty good. No, I mean, it, it, did. it did. It looked really good. well. It, well, they, well, they have they don't they they have. There's kits to attach a 12 gauge shotgun underneath, uh, like M16s, or they used to have something like that. Yeah. So it's kind of an offshoot of that. So the family weapon, which is a combination shotgun, rifle, and one kit, was kind of cool. Um, that was very awesome. Oh no, that was uh, hot. I wish I had that. Yeah. the The houses built out of the houses built out of you know um, cargo containers and things like that. And I love the the little touches, like the public bus. Which was like a tractor trailer that had been attached to, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the bus part, that the the driver was separate from the passengers on the bus. It was like a a, a tractor trailer attached to, um, what might have been once like a cattle truck or something that they had turned into a, a like a bus or maybe they'd right. cut a bus and, and attached it to the back of they a tractor trailer. In third world countries, anyway. Yeah, they did a lot of that, and oh, and the idea that you know. To enter the nicer areas, the places that are less fucked up, you need passports, internal passports to get in, and there are coyotes who will get you into the nicer areas of the country. It's on Netflix uh, for yeah. anyone who's interested. I just yeah, yeah. added my list, so I'll watch that myself now. Yeah, it's the, a good uh, recommendation. The, um... The the border guards walking on painter stilts was kind of stupid. I gotta yeah, say. Yeah, I, I, that that kind of was like a a, a real effort to be futury, um, be, only because they'll fucking fall over. Um, 
but uh, at least if they aren't wearing the right kind of legs, uh, a woman I know who used to be from Seattle, who is a sculptor, designed these stilt legs to be used for costumes. And she got a job at Weta because she brought them her patent for these stilt legs that look like animal legs. They look like dog legs because they've got that you know weird yeah. blade at the bottom and your feet stay way up high and then the blade comes off and there's this tiny little place that touches the ground. Um, those legs look like the kind of legs that you couldn't get pushed off of. That if you were trying to get knocked over, you could stay up. But those painter legs that the crowd control guys had did look like they were just asking to be knocked to the ground and beaten by the crowd <laughs> at yeah. the first opportunity. Um, but other than that, you know, that, that was kind of stupid, but there was a lot of good touches around this movie. But essentially, it was not about the apocalypse. It was about... The characters. The characters. It was about um, the the guy who's trying to get his way into the family and get what they get, what little they have, you know. Um, and uh, the acting was fine. Everybody's good in uh, in the young ones. Um, it looks pretty good. It's got decent um, set dressing and effects, but it's slow. It's slow. Yeah. It's it was an okay movie. I would never watch it again. Uh, and it's, it's slow and low key. Very low key. Yeah, I I, um, I I gotta say, out of the two I watched this weekend, Hell was definitely better. But um, but anyway, so moving off of movies, let's uh, let's uh, let's pick it up a little bit here. Well, let me, let me ask uh, if this is fair. Uh, we've talked about areas subject to a heat apocalypse, and we are talking about post-apocalyptic stuff. Uh, have you already taken a minute to talk about what I just horrible, horrible aberration, Last Man on Earth? Which is set in uh, um, uh, I, Arizona is. Have you already uh, panned that? No, on no, the no. We have uh, not. I have not seen Last Man on Earth. Oh my God! It is just so horrible to watch. Whoa, I watched Jared, episode. Jared, have you seen any of it? Have you seen any of it, Jared? Yeah, I told you I seen it, and I watched about four episodes. I couldn't. I fell behind. and couldn't continue because it's not. It's supposed to be. It's not. Yes, it's not supposed to be surviving in the apocalypse. It's really a comedy, and, yeah. And the thing, which is fu which is fine. Fine, except this is a shitty comedy. It's not. Uh, it, it's, it's, not it's, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's, it's just. Not. It's just. It's just terrible. And you know, I, I've said this before on this show and on my show. When I when I watch something, this is absolutely true. You know, I sound like a hater because I, I go off on rants. But you are a hater. I well, yeah. But, but well, it's, well, so am I. So it's people that I hate. When I take the time to watch a show uh, <laughs> or play a game or whatever, I want to like it. I go into it wanting to like it. And if I walk away from it not liking it, they've made me not like it. Uh, and that show, <laughs> I, mean, I watched episode one, and then I had like all the other episodes. I had like I was on the road, so I had like three or four more episodes recorded. And then I watched, I guess, episode five or six. And I could just feel my blood pressure going up. I could feel my breathing constricting. I just deleted them all and and stopped recording the series. It's just that bad. All right, that, that is two. That is two no votes. Yeah, it's, in the it's, gallery. That is two. It's no not. Votes it's not. It's not worth your time. It's just not worth your time. But anyway, so well, the only the only thing I liked about it was, especially in the first episode, his uh, his skeleton key was as. He's walking around in his underwear. He just pulls out a gun from behind his pants, shoots the glass on the door, walks through it wherever he goes. He's you know, the first episode is is the best. 
And I'm not saying that there are no good scenes or that there's... Oh, no, I'm saying, oh, no, no I'm, I'm saying I like that aspect of it, but I overall, I, I, I can't. That was kind of cool. Yeah. It was just funny. He's just like, bam, okay, walks in. He doesn't care. Very, very Elvis. So, anyway, so movies, TV show. Um, I can't think of any TV shows. I, I can't think of a single TV show that had this yeah. as a theme. I don't know of a lot of uh, Heat Apocalypse books. I did a little research, and I found a couple, but that's about it. I haven't read any of them, unfortunately. One that I did find is by an author I have read before, the English author J.G. Uh, Ballard, which... Oh, okay. I, know, I know Ballard. Ballard has written many books, and a lot of ecological books he's written. <clears throat> he, he originally wrote a book called The Drowned World, which yeah. is a flood apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, weather, you know, the, he wrote a book called The Drought, which is basically uh, the way they talk about it. It is, you know, uh, water scares, temperatures are up, rivers, rivers, rivers are dry because something, because of the industrial waste that we've caused, has prevented um, uh, evaporation from not happening. So there's no precipitation. So it's a, it's a it's a heat it's kind of a heat kind of dry apocalypse by J.G. Uh, Ballard. I don't really don't know anything about it because I have not read it. Oh oh, is that also called the Burning World? Uh, yes yes yes. I just the internet tells me that it was also called the Burning World. Yep. So Judge J.G. Uh, Ballard, uh, the Burning World. I also came across another book from. 1964, which again I have not read it. Um, it is called. Hold on, uh, let me see if I can find it here. The day New York went dry, 1967. Um, it, it was written by uh, Charles Einstein. It's um, again what's like water scarce, and uh, some guy wrote a big uh, kind of a, you know, a couple paragraph review about it. But it's another one of those, you know. Things are you know drying out, water scarce type of a uh, book. Uh, things are hot. Again, never read it. I just discovered it today. Uh, but that's and that's again called the day New York went wet, uh, went dry by Charles Einstein, 1967, New York. Uh, besides other books like that, I don't know of any other books. I did some research. I didn't really come up with a whole lot, and I don't I don't know of any because I've never I read. I should any. write something. Uh, you know, because we keep saying, oh, there really isn't much that's covered this. It's actually, it sounds like a, uh, it would be a fun subject to uh, explore. Well, yeah. You know, I'm able to rant about it. If I can rant about it, I can write about it. Yeah. It's a subject, it's an area that hasn't been covered thoroughly, like nuclear war, plagues, things right. like that. Yeah, that would be a perfect opportunity for you, Mike. Now, um, I want to point out that in the gaming world, uh, certainly we have some post-apocalyptic games that have adopted this, this thing. I mean, the whole Fallout series... Uh, one through one through Vegas through uh, tactics all have a desert of desertized desert 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 deserticated desert desertified I think desertified right? aha that's the yeah, verb so desertified it's desertified North America um, uh, certainly the idea of uh, the uh, uh, water is a big deal in three, right? Because there's a the whole thing about the water purifier in D.C. And water becomes a mechanic in New Vegas. I mean, that was sort of the thing that was missing from uh, 
fallout three was despite all this talk about oh my god there's no water and the waters of life and the water purifier at the end uh, water is not a mechanic in the game you don't die from never drinking any any purified water in the game they turn that around in New Vegas and suddenly oh yeah you can totally drop dead if you ah. don't drink any water it's actually well, a mechanic well besides the video game fallout there's another there's a paper there's a paper thank you Scott there is a paper pencil uh, uh, RPG that I think is still in publication called Darwin's World. Which oh is yeah, yes. Apocalypse. It is a heat dry apocalypse because, like, you see the map of the world. The oceans are half dry. There's not a lot of water. Big swaths of de when desert. When did that come out? Like 2001, thereabouts. Uh, yeah, there? like early 2000s. <coughs> I, I, yeah. was, I was following it a little bit. And, it's pretty uh, popular. You can you can get everything you need for it for off of uh, drive through RPG, including yep. a free gazetteer, which will give you an overview of their world, like a, a, a it's like a source document for what their post-apocalyptic world looks like. And last time I checked, it was free because gee, I downloaded it because it was free. Oh yeah, uh, and post-apocalyptic, so combination was irresistible. Um, so yeah, yeah Darwin's two, World. Darwin's World, two thousand one. Mike got it and. Uh, it is a D20 modern rule system. Right. Yeah. So so Darwin's World has that. And uh, otherwise, you know, in the video game worlds, um, post-apocalyptic, dry heat, I don't really, except for, you know, Darwin's World, I don't know of anything, anything else. Well, um, in, uh, in uh, video stuff, what about, I mean, Rage used, Rage uses uh, an aesthetic that is dry and desert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was there any plot that was, because I never played it, was there any plot related to water supply? Who controls the water? Was there any mechanic related to you've got to get water? Or no, you no. Okay. Just a Mad Max looking environment, you know. Okay. It was pretty. I'm not saying Rage oh, was no, pretty. No, no, look, I didn't play it. I don't think I never finished it because I got I just got disengaged with it, you know. So I never, I never, I played it, but I didn't play it to the end, unfortunately. Yeah. So, but um, uh, but uh, as far as I can tell, uh, Fallout New Vegas may be the only one that had water as a mechanic. In okay. the game, where you had to watch how much water you had to carry water with you. There are points where you're like, hmm, I can drink out of the radioactive toilet and not die of dehydration. I'm so uh, good too. Yeah, but you know. Uh, so, so yeah, so Vegas. Yeah, we know all about Vegas at this point. But uh, unless we have anything else, uh, we're we're wrapping it up here. I think right we should. We're at an hour and a half, so... And it was a great show. I think we covered a lot of ground. Oh, no, 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 we did. It's just that we spent a lot of time on the front end, so I just wanted to wrap oh, it up. I, 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 yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. He's trying to get rid of you, Varola. Y'all have a good show. Yeah, he, no, can no, no. <laughs> he can tell you're a Nazi, Varola. Yeah, no, no, it's just an hour and a half about my limit on trying I'm to... So it's just, he's wearing a beret. He's clearly some paramilitarized whack job. I am. So... Says the guy wearing Appalettes. Yeah, so, so folks, so that's our, you know, heat apocalypse, kind of dry apocalypse, you know, just lack of water, you know. Uh, there is some material out there, um, more, for, more for just the dry apocalypse, uh, less for the heat, and Mike's going to write us some stuff about the heat apocalypse because it's a right field that uh, has yeah, not been is. tapped. Get so, in there. Uh, so, Tap. so next, um, next show, two weeks, uh, like we decided, we're going to talk about language. In the apocalypse, yes. yeah, we talked about language. We talked about the, the communication, 
means of communication. But now we're going to talk about we're going to talk about language, you know, because that's definitely a subject that we could cover. How, how language will? Uh, yeah, and I did watch that uh, that review about that awful movie, Scott. America Three Thousand. Did you uh, enjoy the review? Did you? Uh, I got through. I, got, I didn't get through all of it yet, unfortunately. But just what I saw was hilarious. So, yeah. um, so we're going to talk about in two weeks. We're going to talk about the uh, you know language in the apocalypse. Uh, what we're going to do after that, I haven't decided yet. Uh, but hey, you know that was pretty good. I had you know three or four lined up. So that's a that's an shocking. It's a shocking. It's an accomplishment. We had that. So uh, also, folks, just to let you know, I started posting more of the audio versions on the blog again. Good idea. Yeah, I saw that. I'm up, I'm up to, I just posted 34 today, folks, and I've already kind of preloaded them, so over the next uh, probably week, there's going to be, a, uh, one's going to be posted every single day, because I don't want to inundate people with every, like five a day, so uh, <clears throat> by next Monday, folks, you should have all the episodes on audio, they'll all be on the blog, they're all on iTunes, you can find, you know, so you'll be able to listen to everything, so the folks who just want to listen to the audio, they'll all be posted, so the rest of those will be coming, so all right, folks, we're going to wrap it up. Again, thank you, Mike, for uh, joining us. Uh, Thanks always, for having me. It's no, to be here. No, thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you on. You always have a lot to uh, bring to the table, which is good. Uh, we appreciate all the, all your knowledge there. And uh, that's it, folks. No final words. We're going to wrap it up. So thank you from myself, from Scott, from Mike. This has been uh, Podcast Act Round Zero saying thank you and good night. Good night.